Good morning. It's Monday, May 25th. We're reading through the Bible. And in our Old Testament reading, we have begun reading through David's life again a second time. We've already gotten that in uh, 2 Samuel and um, we're going through it again in 1 Chronicles. A little different perspective here and we'll see some of the differences. But right now, a really brief rundown in chapter 14 of his family, uh, his children, and how he defeats the Philistines. Chapter 15, we got three chapters to read, 14, 15, and 16. And in 15, the Ark of the Covenant comes to Jerusalem. You'll remember that he did it the wrong way, trying to do it the wrong way, and he turned it aside to another city. But then it's time for him to rightly and thoughtfully bring the Ark into the covenant according to the law of Moses and the stipulations there in the law. And he does it the right way in chapter 15, and all works out well. Uh, in chapter 16, we see the Ark being situated there in the temple. Now remember all of this from Moses on down. Everyone knew that God could not be contained in a box. He could not just sit on, a, on the top of a chest in a box in a, in a tent. Uh, we know that heaven and the highest heavens, as Solomon would go on to say, cannot contain God, and yet he chooses to focus his presence here in a visible manifestation in the tabernacle at this point, soon to become the temple when Solomon builds it. So David leads a prayer of great thanksgiving. And read that. It's a great festive and prayerful uh, thanksgiving of uh, praise in chapter 16. So those are our three chapters from First Chronicles. Our New Testament reading is the second half. You'll remember we started yesterday in John 9, the story of the blind man. I couldn't wait to start explaining the end of this, which of course is not hard to understand. It's a uh, great example of the parents saying to the, the officials, listen, you want to know about... Um, our son, he's old enough, let him answer for himself, and he goes and testifies. He actually gets a little snarky here with the synagogue leaders in chapter 9 as he um, says, listen, you know, it's funny that you can't understand what has happened to me, and I know I was blind, and now I can see. And the focus shifts at the end of chapter 9 to Jesus taking up the discourse when the blind man, formerly blind man, is now expelled from the synagogue. And so Jesus then picks up the dialogue in one of the best descriptions of the spiritual blindness that we all have and the need we have for sight. It's a great analogy, and he uses this physical blindness and the blind man getting sight as an analogy of saying, listen, if you think that you cannot see, if you can admit to your blindness, well then in that humility, in that penitence, in that repentant heart, I will give you sight. Uh, but if you think you do see, well, then your blindness remains. It's just a great analogy of the problem of people thinking that they're okay before God being a barrier to the real forgiveness and the reconciliation and the uh, grace that God grants those who are willing to bow before God, recognizing their sin and knowing their need. So a, a great set of uh, statements and words from Christ here to admit our blindness before God and that humility, as we learn in 1 John, says if we can our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So John chapter 9, we finished up that chapter. Then our community imperative for today, I told you we're going to work our way through 1 Thessalonians, and I want to get to verse number 6 here, as it says, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, he says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word with much affliction, with joy in the Holy Spirit, so that, verse 7, 
so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. So here are these regions that are seeing the Thessalonians as an example, and they're following that example. And Paul says, I was an example to you. So this principle of in the body of Christ being an example to one another becomes our community imperative for today. So I put it down this way. If you're keeping track of these or putting these down so that you can focus on it today, here's what I'd like you to focus on, to set a good example for each other. Set a good example for each other. And I want you to think about that purposefully. We often think that we live just in terms of ourselves or before the audience of one before God. We think about our sanctification, but I want you to think specifically as to how your life can become a good example to other people. Now, there's a fine line here between, you know, trying to show off our spirituality or trying to live our lives as uh, some kind of uh, display as the Pharisees like to show their religiosity or their, you know, their righteousness before men and Jesus certainly condemned that. So I'm not talking about that, but I am saying there is a godly and a pious way, as the Apostle Paul demonstrated, to say, listen, I set an example for you. I did things so that you could see how the Christian life is to be lived. If you're a parent, obviously it's a great built-in uh, laboratory there for you to try and model things before your children. How you pray, how you study the Bible, what your priorities are, the things you do and don't do. Uh, that's great, but beyond that, it may not be that you have children or your, your kids are grown and out of the house, uh, or maybe you're a single and you, you don't have those kinds of, of close in-home uh, examples or relationships, I should say, that give you an opportunity to be an example, then I would say you need to work, all of us do, beyond our families, to a place where you can somehow live your life, as people often say, in life-on-life -life situations where there's clear examples that you set by the way that you express transparency in your life, you talk about the issues that you're going through, and you try to do even what Paul ex uh, shows as an example here in this text of saying that, look at how I show joy in the midst of affliction. So even that today, even you rejoicing and being grateful and being thankful and showing the joy of God even when things are hard, do that in a way not to call attention to yourself, but at least to show that you are living out the Christian life and that you can say to others as Paul did to his generation, follow me as I follow Christ. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue through our reading through First Chronicles and the Gospel of John. We'll see you then.